On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. One, two, three, four. Thanks for listening to this podcast produced by Diddy TV. Visit DiddyTV.com for more exclusive on-demand content or download the official Diddy TV app from your app store today. Welcome to Insights, everyone. Our guest on the show this hour is Micah Nelson, a.k.a. The Particle Kid, whose latest LP, Time Capsule, is an experimental, genre-bending work we highly recommend you hear. The album features contributions from Margot Price, Jay Maskus, Jim James, Sean Ono Lennon, and even Willie Nelson. As one of Willie's sons, Micah grew up surrounded by music, but the sounds he creates today are as much inspired by freak folk, punk, or avant-garde sentiments as the country and Americana music the Nelson name is known for. Time Capsule was recorded in many different places with many different people over several years, and Micah shares all about that process in today's interview. Let's dig into the conversation, and we'll catch up again at the end. From Diddy TV, here's the Particle Kid with Amy Wright, right here on Insights. Hi, Micah. Hey. How are you? I'm all right. Um, are you on tour? Yeah, I'm out um, singing and playing guitar with my dad right now. Um, we just did a few shows in New Braunfels. Um, and uh, we're doing Arkansas. And then we do Oklahoma City, uh, Wichita, and Camden. Is that? Camden. Camden Town. And then I think that's yeah, that's, that's the run. Well, uh, we're going to get to your new album, Time Capsule, here in just a little bit. But I wanted to go back back a ways. Um, where did you actually grow up? Was that more in Maui then? Were you in Hawaii or? Um, until I was about eight years old, we were in Texas mostly. Um, and you know, when I say in Texas, that's that's where we would attend school. Uh, Mm -hmm. otherwise we'd be on the road. Um, and then after that, we started going to school in Maui and that was more or less the main home base for about 10 years. Um, even though we, you know, in the summers, especially we'd, we'd go back out on the road, um, or, you know, we'd be in, in Texas sometimes because we have family, different parts of the country. Um, but for the most part, I, I, I grew up, you know, a lot of the, the formative years when not on the road were on Maui. What were you doing as a kid? I know you, obviously everyone knows your dad is Willie. So there's music in the house, I'm assuming all the time, but were you playing? I started playing harmonica in his band when I was about three years old. You know, I could barely walk and I was just standing up there playing harmonica next to uh, Mickey, his actual harmonica player, Mickey Raphael, uh, who everyone thought was my dad because we both had crazy hair <laughs> playing harmonica. And, um, you know, and to me, I just, I don't know, I, I just didn't think about it. It was just kind of like, this is what's happening and uh, I can, this is one way I can hang out and be close to my dad and do what he's doing, you know. And, um, but eventually they would hand me a mic, you know, I'd take a solo, um, 
And I, I learned my left from right from the harmonica. You know, Mickey said the, the high notes are on the right and the low notes are on the left. Um, and so we, my brother and I both kind of grew up playing in his band, you know, in various roles. Um, at one point, he actually, you know, he wanted to do it too. And so he started, I think, playing percussion, you know, with Billy back there. And uh, we, were, we were on the road a lot of the time back then uh, anyway. So it was just kind of, okay, let's play with that. Um, you know, and then eventually um, it was like, okay, you have to actually attend school. For this <laughs> you want to go to the next level. Um, and uh, so we would, you know, any chance we got, we would, we would go out there. Um, but then, you know, when you get to be, 10, 11 years old, music, your perception of music and the, the meaning of music and all of that takes on a new depth. And, um, you know, I think we sort of rediscovered uh, rock and roll and classic rock and psychedelic rock. And, and so that, that's when my brother picked up the guitar. I think we were like nine and 10 um and he started getting really into the guitar and uh i decided well i i should play the drums i should learn how to play the drums so then you know that would that would make sense because then we could play, play together, together. <laughs> and that's how we we learned uh music was just spending hours and hours every day jamming together in the back room and uh i remember uh the moment we realized we weren't just making noise, we were playing music. I had learned the, you know, the boots and cats beat, boots and cats and boots and cats and boots and cats. And I would just kind of see how long I could do that without dropping it. And and uh, Luke was next to me on the couch and he was going, uh, and I was like, oh, that's like the, the Kinks song. You know, you really got me. And so when when we combined those things, we're like, whoa, we're making music. This is, <laughs> this is amazing. Ah, it was that, that first feeling of like the thing that keeps you wanting to play music with people forever is like, you know, it's like getting high for the first time. It's like, this is a whole nother, this is what it, it feels like, you know? And, and uh, I remember that because my mom got so excited, probably because she was about to lose her mind, you know, just banging and noise making for so long. Finally, there's some cohesiveness to what's happening. And she called my dad and, hey, they don't suck, you know, check it out. <laughs> and that, that, that was a great moment. Um, and uh yeah we you know we we just kind of taught each other uh music recording um that was also around the time that like garage band came out you know the program on your laptop where you could make home recordings and this is the whole myspace era where it's like people were first realizing they could make music at home there were consumer priced recording software and you could figure it out even if you were an idiot and and then and then put it out and um 
I don't think we really put anything out at that point, but we definitely experimented a lot with, with recording. You know, we would set a, set a couple mics up and, and I'd play drums, he'd play guitar, and then I'd lay a bass on top of it or maybe a keyboard thing. And then we'd sing harmonies together and we would just write this way and um, just figure out how it all works. And uh, that's, that's what we did. That was our main focus for a long time still is now it's kind of doing the same thing you know with our own projects and everything but it's an endless uh, well of discovery i read that you and your dad sort of bonded over django reinhardt oh yeah i love django reinhardt and uh i i learned about him from my dad because it's his guitar hero is django um someone once said i think it was nora jones she said uh Willie is like Django with one finger. <laughs> you know, Django had two fingers at a certain point. Yeah. This his fingers got melted off in the in the in the caravan fire. Um, and I I definitely uh, I really I I am super inspired by um, the the way my dad plays like even now, like every night I was like, I'll be playing next to him and he'll do these, these, these runs on the guitar or these, these sort of, I, I think of it like, it's like splatter paint or something to me. Like I always thought of him as like the Jackson Pollock of guitar because he's just intuitively doing these completely outside the box, completely off grid, you know, um, it's like a like a crazy bird and he's just like flying around and you're like how are you gonna land this thing you know and you're just along for the ride with him and somehow he he just always lands back on his feet and and he 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 got that from Django I think that that um that gypsy jazz style um playing that's just so it's so technical but that's you don't even think about how technical it is because it's so musical and it's coming from such a melodic place um and that's you know if there's anything that uh you know i hope i inherited <laughs> it's it's that <laughs> of like somehow never playing that melody the exact same way each night and and just constantly inventing new feelings and ideas and new ways to stretch time and and take the listener along for this emotional ride um with with just melodies you know well you talked about earlier the fact that you enjoy making movies and that's always been a part of what you do you're a visual artist um and you're a musician so how do you kind of decide what you're you're doing each day or does is there one how does that one dominate the other i should say is it uh by project or there's a great uh basquiat quote the painter basquiat where he said something like um art is how we decorate space and music is how we decorate time and i've always sort of suspected that space and time you know our our perception of, of their separateness is more or less an illusion and 
in that way, I feel the same way about art and music, that they're coming from the same source. And so I think I'm just, I always, I feel like I'm, I'm just, I'm decorating space time, you know, they're all, anytime I, I have a visual idea or a musical idea, um, I find it very easy to, easy for like, um, you know, the visual side or the, the sonic side to, to, of, of whatever this idea is. Um, to just kind of effortlessly, symbiotically find a place in, in the project. They, you know, there's, there's rarely one without the other for me. Um, so, you know, it's like whatever I'm working on, whether it's an album or uh, a painting <clears throat> or, or an animation or, you know, it always seems to be a combination of the, the sonic and the visual somehow involved. Um, yeah, there, it's just kind of the same thing. I don't, I don't really think too much about it. It just happens that way. So when did you actually form Particle Kid, your band? Um, it's, well, it's, it's like, <laughs> I don't know if I'd call it a band. Um, you know, if I'm lucky, I, I have a few friends who are available to play the songs. <laughs> Um, but I, I started recording under the name Particle Kid. I must have been about 17 or 18. And it started out just as uh, uh, exploring sonic experimental ideas in recording. And I made this track. It was one of the first things I recorded. It was... Um, this, I just made like a violin plucking loop. And then I took a bunch of field recordings I've made of all sorts of things. Um, uh, my, my friends laughing or, uh, you know, insects flying by my head or whatever. And chopped it up and made rhythms out of it. And, you know, I was really interested in sound collaging. And I made this whole sort of epic track and uh, I put it out on, I think back then the thing was uh, SoundCloud was the thing. And um, not that long afterward, I got this email from some radio station in France and they wanted to play my track on their, their show. And I was like, wow. Uh, you know, suddenly I realized like, oh, um, this isn't just wanking, you know, um, to me, I was just kind of enjoying exploring these ideas and seeing if I could do it. And that, that inspired me to uh, keep going and, and keep exploring that. And, you know, so that project particle kid, it started out as sonic experimentations. And at a certain point, it became the, the sort of central, vehicle for all of my ideas because I needed something that was focused, uh, singular, that all of the visual and, and animated and musical ideas, whatever it happened to be, could all kind of live on the same spaceship together. Um, 
And it also helped me realize at a certain point, because I was playing in, you know, seven bands and I was saying yes to everything and doing a million things and spreading myself so thin that, um, you know, I thought, well, I need to, I should, I should focus this and I should sort of focus on one of these things. And what's the thing that all of the other things can kind of fit inside of. And I realized music was that thing, um, you know, as opposed to focusing on being a painter or focusing on being a filmmaker, because music, whether you're on stage or whether you're making an album or a music video, it, it can involve the visual. It can involve all of the other stuff I like to do. Um, you know, it can all fuel that, that spaceship, but the, the engine is, is music. And, you know, if I really want to do this for the long run, um, how can, how can the music survive? And I realized at a certain point that, um, something I probably already knew just hadn't really quite realized fully was, um, that songs are the thing that that can last through time. You know, like I remember seeing Roger Waters' show. Um, it's epic, you know, just theatrical. Like, you know, he's got a fucking football field-sized screen and like there's like smokestacks and the, you know, puppets. And it's like this opera and uh you know the incredible visuals and it's like amazing and i started thinking like the the thing that makes that show what it is is not the show itself it's the songs you know if those pink floyd songs were not these just timeless classic songs that you know, Roger Waters could be up there with the acoustic guitar singing these songs and we'd all still be singing along and having a great time. It would be an amazing show, even if there was nothing up there, no flashing lights or anything. And I thought that's the most powerful, most potent thing is, is songs that speak to people um, that are universal, that are coming from an honest place. And, um, if you've got that, then, then you can, you can do anything with that. You could, you could have a big epic psychedelic visual show along with it and it'll only make it better, you know? But if it was just the visuals show, it's like, you'd forget about it a week later. It'd be like a cool psychedelic, crazy light show, but it, you know, it wouldn't uh, stay with you if it, if it didn't have great songs. So that pushed me to, um, focus more on on writing songs and, and challenging myself to be able to perform a set of music um, without anything but a guitar or a piano or something and, and see if I could I could translate the, the feelings that I wanted to uh, express in, in the music without any production or bells and whistles or frosting and sprinkles, which I love, but what's the heart of it? You know, let's get back to the source. And uh, so, so it's been a, a journey of 
you know, um, I think uh, seeking the source and, uh, and, and finding these little uh, moments along the way and turning them into songs. So if Particle Kid is you, then um, what, what does it mean or who came up with that nickname for you? Um, I, I think I was about 14 and I had just gotten home from school and I was playing uh, Mario Kart on the N64. And my dad had been in the poker room and he came into the room. And I don't know if it was... Um, if he was stoned or if it was just <laughs> Southern drawl, but he said, um, he said, welcome home particle kid. And I, I just thought it was like the funniest, most random thing ever. And it just kind of stuck. Um, <laughs> and uh, when I started this project and called it particle kid years later, and I started sharing songs with him and he was really into it. And, you know, he, he asked me like, what, why did you, what's particle kit? And I was like, you don't remember. <laughs> it's like, I, I told him like, I, I told him about it and he was cracking up because yeah, yeah. this moment. And he had meant to say, welcome home prodigal son. <laughs> but, he probably said prodigal kid, but you know, the way I heard it was particle kid. Yeah. I, so I thought that was a a great name for anything, you know, but that I remembered that moment and I, I decided to call the this project Particle Kid. So he, he he named that. He named the project. Well, I was kind of wondering when I first saw Particle Kid if the eclectic style of your music was sort of um, partly reflective of Particle Kid being the name because you have an eclectic style. How would you describe it? Eclectic is a good yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I think, you know, that's maybe another uh, was another force inside of me encouraging me to simplify things. You know, it's like because I, I just I have so much love for so much music of all kinds from all over different times. And there's something about almost every era of music that I, I love and I draw from and I hear that and I'm like, Oh, I want to try that, you know? And so it all just sort of sneaks in somehow. I, you know, I never, um, growing up traveling around all over the place, I never felt like I really had like, this is my scene, you know, and I, I'm one of these kids. And I, you know, it was just kind of like, I'd sort of experienced these things and absorbed them and they became part of me. But, you know, um, uh, you know, as far as like my identity or whatever, like I, I don't really know if I could bottle that down into like a particular thing um and yeah so maybe there's something else to the name particle kid that that works in that way um where you know it's it's lots of things that appear separate but they're part of the whole um which is 
whatever I'm doing. Um, and, um, but yeah, I thought, you know, okay, if, if I can, if I can strip everything down to its bare minimum, that, that'll help me develop something that, that can tie all of this, all of these ideas together into something that's cohesive. Um, yeah. Let's talk about Time Capsule, because this is your latest album, and it was written and recorded over a few years, right? Yeah, uh, maybe five or six years of ideas half written or songs that were recorded and never ended up on anything, um, or songs that I had started writing and didn't finish until years later. Um, and then, as well as brand new songs that had just been written, you know, the day before going into the recording studio and cutting them. Um, so it's like a big journal of moments in time. And uh, I decided that they should all just fit inside of one release, um, like a like a time capsule of all these different memories. Were you writing and recording during COVID? I mean, were you by yourself or were you with other people? How was that working? The, so the, we were in Texas when it was March, 2020, we went down there to play the luck reunion. And I had, uh, Aaron Davis with me and Tony Peluso, uh, bass and drums. Um, these are friends that I've played with for a long time that, you know, for the, past few years have been kind of the core uh, members of Particle Kid uh, live band. And um, we had been uh, messing with some new song ideas. And, and I said, well, let's go down to Texas a, uh, a week in advance and we'll go into the Pedernales studio, cut some new stuff. Um, and as we were in the studio recording, the shit was hitting the fan and it was like oh oh this is happening now um and uh it it definitely influenced the session um you know a lot of the songs that actually i think mo yeah most of the songs that we cut during that session we did you know maybe two takes and uh a lot of them the the first take is what ended up on the record it was very much like, oh, I don't know how much longer we're, you know, if there was this urgency to it um, that added a great sort of rawness that I really love about about those recordings. Um, but I ultimately ended up having to cut the session short. I said, I got to fly you guys home like tomorrow because I don't know if in a week you'll be able to fly home, which turned out to be true. Um, so they got out of there in the nick of time. Um but I, I was then stuck in Texas for like two or three months. <laughs> um, but we got some really great stuff. Um, we did, um, we did Velociraptor, the serpent flew. We did, um, all one day shadow of the sun and we did American life, uh, and, uh, Thirk's day that song. We, we just kind of cranked in that session. It was just like, we didn't think too much about it. And uh, I think there's something to that, uh, 
just not thinking too much about it. And, you know, like a lot of those songs that ended up on the record from that session were just like the band was learning the song as we're recording it. And, and that's what ended up on, on the album. It just had the, it just had the thing, you know, sometimes the thing doesn't necessarily mean perfectly everything, you know, everyone knows their part perfectly and it's sung beautifully and it's quantized, you know, sometimes the, the energy you're looking for is, is something a lot more raw and sometimes that's more human and relatable. And um, it definitely was truer to the feeling of the whole moment. And uh, yeah, there, there were a couple other songs we tried to cut that I don't think ended up on, on the album. Um, but, you know, it was so lucky to have that situation, you know, being quarantined in a recording studio where you can, you can work, you know, you, you, you're not just kind of sitting there thinking about doom. It's kind of like, oh, we have this outlet that's creative and we can focus on this mutual goal together of, of making great music. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm feel lucky that we, out of all the places we could have been when, when everything got shut down, um, to have been there and then also subsequently being in Texas with my family, uh, you know, we had been, I can't even remember the last time we were able to be together for that extended period of time in a place where uh, we also could go and make music in the studio down the street. So we, we probably made, you know, three or four albums during <laughs> lockdown. And, uh, you know, stuff we'd wanted to do for years, but I'm touring over here, he's touring over there, dad's touring over, you know, and then occasionally we get to meet up and play the same show, but it was a lot more rare back then. So that was uh, one of the silver linings. Wouldn't you say that to some degree recording a song in a studio where you're now putting that song out there, that's a time capsule in and of itself because... Yeah. The more you play a song, the more it evolves and it might be arranged differently. Um, but at some point you got to lock it in and it's, that's the, the recording and that's what people are going to hear. So that's a time capsule also. Absolutely. That, I mean, that, what you just described is kind of what gave me the idea in the first place was, you know, we're, we're sitting there making this music and, you know, the world is ending or whatever. And we're like, man, I just thought that, you know, this what we're doing right now like we're gonna we're gonna be able to listen to this music and we're gonna remember this moment you know it's like a newspaper clipping from that day you know and and then yeah i was like well i guess every album is like that you know just every work of art every album that we put out it's a snapshot of that time and music is sort of the closest thing we have to time travel in that way because you hear a song and you instantly teleport to where you were whenever that song impacted you you know your consciousness travels and uh so then that that started churning all these ideas about how to release this this music and uh 
I think I immediately decided the album would be called Time Capsule. I knew that the second, you know, what you just described popped in my head. And, um, and then eventually it was like, I had all these different songs from these different sessions from, you know, some of them recorded in a nice studio, some of them recorded in a hotel room, some were recorded in my bedroom, some were recorded in LA, some in Austin, some here and there. And, and I thought, well, you know, I guess these few songs will be an EP here. And, you know, I'm talking with the label, you know, these few songs, they fit together. So they'll maybe we'll put out a series of EPs. And then, and then when COVID happened, it was like, I just want to put this all out. I just want to get it out. I don't want to wait. I don't know how much time we have left. Like just <laughs> like get your affairs in order and, and put out what you've got. And, um, and the more I thought about the time capsule concept, I thought, well, if I call the album time capsule, I can kind of put anything in there because it's all from these different times inside of one, one vessel. And, uh, and then it became, you know, it was like a, a quadruple album all of a sudden. And the label wanted to do vinyl, but it would have been a, you know, four to six disc vinyl, which <laughs> nobody had any money. Nobody was like, and then also it takes forever these days for vinyl to be manufactured so they're like, you got any ideas about what else we could do? And I, I just thought, well, why don't we make time capsules? We'll, we'll, you know, I'll make time capsules and we'll put a thumb drive of the, the album and videos and all the content inside of this time capsule. And we'll put a, a, a ticket in there that's a, a ticket to the concert in in 20 years you know to just continue this time capsule theme and it'll be an interactive thing and it'll be something that you know the album itself is something that we can we can look back on 20 years from now and you know it also gives us something to look forward to and a reason to stay alive so we can play this show um and and that ultimately became the ticket is general admission for any show from January 1st to December 21st or 31st of the year 2042, you know, so in 20 years, the whole year, you, you can go to any particle kid show that you want. And, uh, so there's, there's 20 of these time capsules and, uh, and the label loved the idea. And it was something that I could just do myself and we wouldn't have to rely on, manufacturers in Germany or anything like that. And uh, I thought, well, I can also um, tie in my, um, you know, uh, activism around industrial hemp because I started thinking, well, what's, what's a material that can stand the test of time? Hempcrete. You know, I had been, uh, working with hempcrete and, and uh, I'd grown up being taught about the benefits of hemp, you know, the thousands of different uh, sustainable products that could be made from that crop. I had recently started working with it and growing my own hemp and experimenting with 
with this industrial product. And uh, I had discovered that it's really easy and I could make this. Um, oh, why don't I make the time capsules out of hempcrete so that they'll last a thousand years and, and uh, they're fireproof and, you know, mold resistant. And then it'll, it'll, it'll give me an opportunity to talk about hemp and uh, the benefits of hemp um, as far as, you know, our supposed goals of, of um, healing the soil and, and sequestering carbon and, and returning value back to the American economy and the agricultural sector and giving farmers work um, and um, destigmatizing plants, <laughs> especially plants that can uh, heal, not help us divest from mm -hmm. fossil fuels and, and heal people and, you know, create food, fuel, fiber, medicine, all of the above, um, while phytoremediating soil. Um, and, you know, you can build your house with it. And so, so I was like, oh, perfect. I can, I can combine all of these things into one, one project. And so that's, that's time capsule. Yeah. The other thing I thought about when I was thinking about the time capsule was that lyrics are also one of those time capsules that reflect, potentially reflect where an artist is in their career or their life. Um, if nothing else, if it's not about you, you're commenting on what's going on. And uh, I've always thought it was interesting because when you have to play the same song for the next 40 years, for example, then um, you're also kind of reliving that, that moment, you know, that, uh, that was caught on paper. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you better like what you're singing. You, <laughs> you better like your own music. <laughs> As if other people love it and it's becomes, mm -hmm. you know, any, any, in any way popular enough to where people will pay you to sing your songs, um, you know, you better enjoy it and, and feel honest with it. And like, it's, it's you speaking. Um, so that, that's something that, uh, I think is really important. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting, too, how when songs are coming from that place, uh, even if the, the arrangements and the lyrics don't change over time, the way that they speak to us change often. You know, we hear music at a certain age, at a certain time in our life, and it just doesn't enter in the same way as maybe 10, 20 years later, you know, um, not just for the listener, but I think for the, the songwriter as well, um, you know, especially if the lyrics are coming from this subconscious place where I often don't know what I'm exactly what I'm talking about. I couldn't really like describe specifically what certain lyrics are about. Um, some I can, but you know, a lot of it is like, it's just coming from a feeling. It's coming from this almost random, you know, just pulling it out of the radio waves and it just here it is and it feels right. So it must, it, it, it seems to express the feeling, even if it's hard to describe exactly literally what those words are, are saying. Um, 
and then to have you know years later suddenly you kind of realize what what it was saying and it was it, sometimes it feels like it's you from the future talking to yourself you know um and it you have to kind of live through more of your life to understand what your subconscious was was communicating um i've had the same experience with stream of consciousness drawing um something i i uh, i've always done but especially when i was a teenager um i got really into um like you know i would like eat acid or something and i would just draw and um and i wouldn't think about what i was drawing at all and and hours later i'd look at it and it'd be like what what is that um you know all these imagery and these characters and the story happening in this drawing it's so strange um but over time i would glance at it and i would be like that that's what i was saying and you know it's like it's almost like my thoughts and the 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 brain sneeze um it was it was coming out faster than my mind could even process the meaning of it and and you know i definitely wouldn't have been able to articulate it in any verbal way and so thank god for 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 drawings and paintings and you know if those don't fully express it if those don't quite make it then then you know we've got animations and if those don't fully express it we can add music to it and you know you get to a place where um you know i mean words fail me all the time and so i just feel so lucky to have these other languages that can communicate so much more than than words can and and especially working from a place of just drawing from the subconscious uh and letting that speak without analyzing it when it comes out it's like you can analyze it later you know and that that's how i write songs too i'll just throw the clay down this feels right and then can always sculpt it after the clay is on the table but um i try not to hinder the process as it's happening you know david lynch always says you know you have to write down every great idea immediately <laughs> or it'll be gone forever and he's absolutely right we have an amazing uh opportunity the album time capsule is really great i would tell everyone to go get a copy listen to it um go see you on tour go see you live when they have the opportunity mica it was such a pleasure talking to you about the new album and your life in general and uh come see us in memphis yeah i'd love to i love memphis it'd be great to uh, to hang out in memphis and uh you know if you're ever uh up in the redwoods come by we'll uh, we'll go on a hike well you guys uh, and you're newlyweds right i mean sort of newlywed Uh, three or four years now, three years, 20 newlyweds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In the span of weds, we are new. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, good luck. Good luck with your life and uh, in general, and we'll see you very soon. Hope so. Thanks so Take much. Take care, Micah. Have a great week. You too. Thanks so much to the Particle Kid, a.k.a. Micah Nelson 
for taking time to chat with us today about his life and his latest work, Time Capsule. Check out the album as soon as possible, and be sure to tell a friend or two to do the same. From all of us at Diddy TV, thanks again for tuning in today, and we hope to see you again real soon, right here on Insights. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shop? Would they shop? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.